You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This Ministry 127 podcast is entitled The Heart of God for Missions with Pastor Wayne Semish. Pastor Semish had served as pastor of Good Shepherd Baptist Church for 12 years when he answered God's call to Thailand where he has been for nearly three years. Uh, Brother Chapel asked me to uh, do this session on uh, the heart of God for missions and uh, I guess the fact that you're here indicates you know you have some interest in that you, perhaps already your heart is in missions uh, or maybe not uh, my testimony was that I was pastoring in uh, Brisbane Australia I'm Australian if, if you haven't worked that out and uh, I was pastoring there for 13 years in the early years of the ministry of the church we supported missions and, uh, and I was always for that. Uh, we supported missions because it was just biblical. It was the right thing to do. But, you know, to be honest, it would be a lie to say my heart was in missions. It, it really wasn't. My heart was just in pastoring my church in Australia. I realized we had great needs. And I was for missions and, and supporting missions and giving to missions. But it hadn't necessarily got to my heart. Now, you know, I don't... I don't know where you're at in that uh, process. I don't say it's necessarily a bad thing if, uh, if it hasn't really taken hold of your heart as such. As long as you're faithful in doing the thing that God wants us to do, which is support missions and uh, support the uh, furtherance of the gospel in other places apart from where you are. Uh, so, you know, however way you do it, as, as long as you do it, is a good thing. But what changed me was... Uh, I took a trip to the uh, Philippines. I had used to receive letters of invitation to go and preach in various places in Asia. And being in Australia, Asia is kind of uh, our area, you know. So just like some preachers would go and preach in America, maybe through the week and come back to their church. And, and uh, for me, I was going out into Asia. And uh, I received an invitation to preach in the Philippines. This was my first ever trip. And I had received other invites and had no interest in going, to be honest. Uh, but I remember praying over this one letter that came in. That was, it was a letter. It wasn't an email. A letter came in. and I remember praying over it, and I said something like, uh, you know, Lord, if you want me to go, well, you just tell me and I'll go. And I threw the letter in the bin. And uh, I felt immediately God say to me, go. And I remember regretting that I prayed about it. I was thinking, oh, I, I don't want to go. You know, why, why did I pray about that? And then I felt obligated that I had to go. So, you know, my attitude was not great on this trip. I, I, was, I was heading in. I was not excited about it. Uh, I, was, I was bracing myself. I was saying to myself things like, you're going to hate this. You're going to hate every part of it. Just try to be a blessing and get out of there as quick as you can. And that was what was going through my head. And so we flew into Cebu, uh, the airport in the Philippines. And I remember looking out the window and the... There was a couple of broken down helicopters laying on their side in the long grass. And I was thinking, and I remember shaking my head, 
And it was just reinforcing everything I was already thinking about this place. And so we got there, and I got through immigration, customs, picked up my bag, uh, and a man from the church picked me up, and I remember getting in the front seat of the vehicle as he was making his way to the hotel, and I was just looking out the window, and between the short trip, it was probably 15 minutes, from the airport to the hotel, uh, I was weeping. And I remember just weeping and saying, oh God, what person am I? What, you know, I was just touched by everything I saw around me and smitten really with just my own indifference. And again, let me say, we were supporting missions, we were giving to missions. And so that trip just changed me. Now, I came back and and got on with the business of pastoring the church and working the ministry in Australia. And I would never have thought in my mind ever uh, that I would end up anywhere else than in Australia. Australia had great need. God was blessing our church. It was becoming a little bit influential in the region. And uh, I had never entertained going anywhere else. And uh, through a series of events, uh, God uh, led me to Thailand. And I remember really, you know, being very careful in my prayer. Is, is this really God? You know, uh, would God pull me out of this ministry when it's at this place of, and, and wrestling with that? And uh, so now we've been in Thailand about three years. Uh, our church in Australia is, uh, is going well, and uh, God had everything in hand. And you'll find when God is in something, uh, he doesn't bless one part of your life uh, to curse another. So you don't have to decide between family and church. They're both good. And God doesn't make good things compete against each other. So it wasn't, well, if he moved me to Thailand, that was going to destroy the church in Australia. Uh, I, I always believe, well, Lord, if you're in this, then the church in Australia will, will not only continue as it, as it was when I was there, but it, it will prosper uh, under your blessing. And that's what happened. And uh, I had trained up a man uh, who, who took over the work there. So that's how I got to Thailand. Now, uh, let's just read a passage here in Acts chapter 16, verses 9 to 10. Uh, we'll come back to it if I don't say too much about it in the beginning. And I know you'll be familiar with this. It says, uh, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, in thinking about this matter of the heart of God for missions, and again, let me say, Brother Chapel called me and said, would you come and teach this subject? So I had to think about, well, what does that mean, the heart of God for missions? You know, because I'm going to have to stand up here and say something about this. And I was thinking, you know, what does that mean? And I just begin to try to think through the, the working of God in the matter of missions. Now, of course, early believers... Uh, came to an understanding fairly quickly that missions was the priority of their age. Uh, l- let me say it this way. If you look at uh, the working of, of the, the business of God's people uh, through the current history that we have, I meaning you can read the Bible and go back and see what God's people were doing, it really is not until, and I'm just going to put a, a sort of a, a proximate time frame here. If you would permit me to say that we are uh, in a time post-resurrection and pre-rapture. 
And I would say in the post-resurrection, pre-rapture time, uh, missions is very much at the forefront of God's mind. Now, if, if, you, look, if you look back at the Old Testament, uh, it wasn't exactly the same. There, there, were, there are uh, examples of uh, God sending people to uh, other nations, but it's an exception rather than a rule. You know, Jonah went, not willingly, but Jonah went. But that, that was not common. That was unusual. It's really, it's really not until uh, Jesus and, and after that things begin to change. And even Jesus himself, you know, the Bible tells us he came unto his own and his own received him not. And uh, again, remember when the, the woman of uh, Canaan came up to him asking for a miracle and he responded to her, I am not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And it's clear in the ministry of Jesus, he had a certain priority. I'm quite sure he knew what was going to come and what the plan of God was. But he was following the, the order and the priority of God. And, uh, and he had come to his own people first. He was to die for the sins of the world. But there was just some steps that took place. But then even during his ministry, he did somewhat hint that it, that it was going to go much further than just the people of Israel. He made this statement in John 10. Uh, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And you and I are part of those other sheep that came into his fold. Now, after his resurrection, uh, you know that he met with his own, and he gives a very clear statement in Matthew 28 to them about their mission, uh, and, and I know you know this in verse 18 to 20, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach. And here's, here's, the, here's the new mission or the, the grasping of the new mission or somewhat the grasping of the heart of God. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So now we're thinking, you know, all countries of the world. And remember that this is a time people don't have National Geographic Channel uh, you know, their, their knowledge of the world and what is out there is, is partial. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns out there. You know, we know more today. They call this the information age. And if you want to know about the world today, you can find out a lot of things. But it wasn't that way then. And so this, this command to go to all nations and, uh, and to teach them and baptize them, and uh, that was like the, the revealing of the heart of God. And it was like a a very clear statement of mission about what God wants his people to do. And I would say this, if you're not about the business of missions, and, and I'm going to use my definition of missions and you can use yours, my simple definition of missions is simply, missions is about getting the gospel to other places. So if you're not about the business of missions, then I don't think you're in step with God with the time we live in. Now, I'm not going to get into detail about what I think is going to happen you know, after the rapture, but I'm going to just say this. I think this time period will be unique uh, in its emphasis and, and thrust to go forward and take the gospel to all nations. It is the priority of our time. And you and I have been born into this time. We weren't born another time. So we have to pick up the heart of God in our time. We, it's our job to get in step with God for our time. And say, Lord, okay, it's us now. It's not somebody else. You know, if I was born under David's leadership and David's kingdom, 
you know, I might have been training as a good soldier to go and fight and take land, and, and that would have been my task in that time. Or if I'd been with Joshua, it would have been a different thing. Uh, but this is the time we've been born in. You know, God put us here now. And so we have to say, well, I'm not in David's time. I'm not in Moses' time. You know, I'm not in the time before Jesus. This is the time God has put us in. All right, Lord, what do you want me to do to get in step with where your heart's at right now? And I think if you look at the Bible, you'd see that the heart of God really is, is for this business of getting the gospel to other places. Now, the heart of God for missions stems from several things. If you want to understand, you know, what would the heart of God be? One, it comes from the fact of who God is. I want you to think about this. God is the creator of every person. Now, we believe that. The, the, the world doesn't believe that. The evolutionists don't believe that. But we believe that. We, we believe every life is uh, sacred. Every life is important. And every life comes from God. Now, I know now it's common to talk about in the world there are billions of people. And when you think about there being billions of people in the world... It's almost like there's so many, you don't see any. You can just get overwhelmed by the, the statistics, the numbers, and it just becomes extremely impersonal. There's billions of people. But it isn't that way for God. For God, he's the creator of each one. Everybody, you, see, you know, I was walking through the airport the other day in Bangkok, and I was, people were walking past me, and you get many nationalities sort of meeting there, and and I was looking at them and I was thinking, you know, God knows this one. God loves this one. Jesus died for that one. And, and, and it's hard for me to kind of enter into the personal way that God sees that. And I was thinking God knows all about that person. He knows what they're doing. He's, he's known them since a child. He, they don't know him, but he knows about them. And we don't fully understand it. But you've got to understand for God... Okay, there are billions of people in the world, but there is a finite number of people. It isn't unending. Do you understand that? At some point, this world will end and there will be no more people. So the number of people has a beginning and an end. And so God as creator knows all those individuals. And it's not too much for him to take in. And as their creator, he longs for their fellowship as much as he did for Adam's when he put Adam on the earth. So God, the heart of God as the creator is looking now at the people of the world and seeing differently to how we can see it, but because he's creator and because each of those people is important to him. And I, look, I have to admit, I, 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 don't, I can't fully enter into how God loves people the way he does. Because frankly, in my flesh, some people are a little bit obnoxious or unpleasant. And, you know, I, look, I... I'm going to be honest, probably in my flesh, I favor some races of people over other races of people. Now, I love everybody. I want everybody to be saved. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just being transparent. I'm likely to be more drawn to people of one place than another. Uh, but God, it is not that way for God. You know, he, he's, he's there and he has a desire for everyone to come as their creator. So if you understand that, you can start to step into a little bit of, of what his heart is for people. And then you see that love of God for people in his willingness to condescend to invite men to come to himself. You know, statements like Isaiah 1.18, Come now and let us reason together, 
saith the Lord. Can you imagine the creator who holds the universe in his hands, stooping down to say to one of us, come on now, let's reason together about the need of your salvation. It's, you know, it, it, it reveals his heart. And you know, the, the rest of that passage there, he talks about their sins. So when you understand that, and when you understand God as creator and how much God loves the world, you enter somewhat into, okay, I can understand the heart of God for missions as their creator. I want you to also think about the fact God's heart for missions not only comes from who God is, but it comes from what God sees. Now, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, when God was looking on the earth, the Bible says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he'd made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And so there's at least two places I know that refer to the fact that the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the whole earth. So what I'm saying is God, because he is God, is seeing everything. God's omnipotence and God's omnipresence means he sees all people all the time, everywhere. Now, you know, can you imagine what God sees each day? When I was in Cambodia a few years ago, I I was my first trip to Cambodia. I was sitting in a vehicle, a missionary was driving, and we went through a police checkpoint. A little further up, he said, he said, Brother Shemish, that house over there, and I just looked, and it just looked like a Cambodian house, he said, that house over there is a place of child prostitution. And, you know, he kept driving, but I was just looking And I felt deeply, deeply disturbed about that. And I felt angry and I felt like, should should I do something? I I wanted to run in there. What what I'm saying is what I saw, my eye affected my heart. What I saw disturbed me. Now, can you imagine, and the answer is you can't, can you imagine what God is seeing every day, the fruits of sin. You know, in Ecclesiastes 1, in verse 18, it says this, He that increaseth knowledge increases sorrow. And I believe there are things that God deliberately doesn't allow us to see because we simply could not bear it. You couldn't know all that God knows that is going on and keep your sanity. But God is seeing all that. God is seeing every tortured, tormented child and hearing every cry. And I'm not going to go through all this, but but God is seeing all the suffering and all the ruin that sin has brought to this earth. And God just doesn't see it as a newspaper headline. To God, these are people and, and he feels and he loves them. And I'm simply saying to you, that if you want to know why God thinks it's important to get the gospel out to reach these people, it has something to do with the fact of what he's seeing every day. And he knows that people don't change until people get saved. And the great thing is when somebody gets saved, their sins get forgiven, 
They get a home in heaven, but you know what? Their life now changes as well. And not only do they change, often, and we've seen this in Thailand and other places, not only do these people change, it changes the future for their kids, like it did for your kids when you got saved. It made it different. You know, some of you are thanking God that your children will not have to live the way you lived before you were saved. And so that's what I'm saying. The heart of God for mission stems from who he is. He's, he's the creator of each one and wants them. From what he sees, all the misery and sadness of sin in the world. You know, God, God knows the, 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 uh, the remedy for that is to get the gospel to them. And that means sending a missionary, a willing person to go to those places. And there'll be many, many missionaries, and the glory is God's, but there are many, many missionaries who've gone to places where the suffering and uh, the pain and the fruits of sin that were in that place were brought to an end through the light of the gospel coming in. And that's what happens. And we have a mandate to go. You know, we, that's why God wants people to go. That's why God is sending people. That's why the Holy Spirit tugs at the heart of people. Because God knows and God sees. And then I want you to see God's heart is not only motivated from uh, who he is and what he sees, but also from where the lost go. And, uh, you know, the need of men. We know that those who die in their sins will be forever in hell. We have not visited hell. But we know enough from the Bible to know it's not good. It's very bad. Hell is a place that God did not design for people. He didn't, it, 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 was, it was a place of torment for the devil and his angels. Uh, every man that goes there who dies in his sins is an invader into a place God didn't want him to go. And, uh, you know, consider the words of, of the one when Jesus peeled back the window into hell in Luke chapter 16. And that one, and, and he cries, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And that's not colorful language. That's the reality of an endless number of people who are in that place right now. And sadly, they continue to go there in their thousands on a daily basis. Now, you and I can't see hell, but God knows all about it. And God sees the awful suffering. If you could visit hell and come back, I'm sure you would be the greatest evangelist missionary, undoubtedly. Uh, you, you, you would be compelled, uh, driven to preach and tell men to come to Christ. Uh, lest they go to that place. So again, if you can see that God is seeing all these things, you can understand the heart of God uh, to send missionaries to reach peoples in other places. It also comes from the fact of what the lost are saying. And that brings us back to our text here that we read in chapter 16. Remember uh, in verse number 9, Paul, Paul's vision in the night was a man of Macedonia, and this notice the, the cry here is, "Come over into Macedonia and help us." 
Here's somebody who doesn't even know what they need, but they know what they have isn't working. Help us. You, you, you know what they need. You know, you know what the world needs. You know what people need. You know how people get helped. But the unsaved they don't even know what they're asking for. But, you know, I, look, I, I, see, I see all the time in Thailand, people go and they pray before uh, idols and statues. And, uh, and you, can, you, know, you think pagans, heathens, yes, it's true. But let me tell you, some of them are really sincere in their prayer to that piece of rock wanting help. Some of them sit there weeping. I'll never forget seeing a woman in Rome, in one of the cathedrals in Rome, all dressed in black, Italian lady, just sitting, elder, elder lady, just sitting sadly in one of these big Catholic cathedrals and tears were rolling down her face. And, you know, her face looked like it had, you know, had a thousand stories to tell about her life. And, and she's praying and clutching her beads and doing her thing. And, you know, I don't know what it was. I know she needed help for something. And God is seeing the peoples of the world crying out for help. And granted, crying out in the wrong places. And granted, praying to things that can't help. You know, I, I was witnessing to a lady in Bangkok just last week before we flew here. And uh, she was doing a little thing with numbers. And I said, uh, I, I struck up a conversation with her to, try to tell her about Christ and and I said, oh, you, you're doing the numbers. I thought she was doing a typical Thai thing to win the lottery. And I said, oh, you're trying to win the lottery. And she said, oh, no, no. She said, these numbers is about the stars. I'm studying the movement of the stars. And I said, why are you studying the movement of the stars? And uh, like I knew, but I, you know, and she said, oh, because I want to have good luck. You know, and I said, oh, I said, uh, you want to have good luck? She said, yes, I want to be lucky so I can have help in my life. And I must have smiled a little bit and looked at her. And she said, you don't believe it, do you? You don't think it's true, she said to me in Thai. And I said, uh, which is, I don't think it's true, no. And uh, I said, you know what I do? I said, when I need somebody to help me, I said, I don't look to the stars. I pray to the one who made the stars. And, uh, and she went, ah, oh. You're a Christian, I said. She said, "Oh, I'm a Roman Catholic," and uh, you know, she sort of started backtracking. You know. Anyway, I, we we shared the gospel with her, but uh, people are looking for help in the wrong places. But they know they need help. Uh, we had a young man saved in our our ministry just a few months ago, uh, early twenties, uh, typical Thai boy in many ways, typical uh, story. Got into a lot of trouble. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fighting and, and, uh, and uh, you know, gang type stuff happens all over Thailand around that age group. And, and he'd gone to a concert and got into a fight and ran away. And, and some police had got him and just kicked him in the stomach really bad. And, and he put in hospital for a week and half his intestines were removed. And I don't even know how he lived through it in a Thai hospital up there. But uh, he survived. His parents were just distraught, like, you know, what can we do? He's not, there's a Buddhist, these are all Buddhist people. He's not listening. We sat the elders down to tell him to behave, and he didn't listen to them. And we took him to the temple, and, you know, that didn't work. And, uh, and I met him, and I just, I just felt God touch my heart about, 
about uh, that. That I, I just had a sense of God telling me, I've, I've given him to you. And, uh, and he wasn't even saved. And anyway, I, I just talked with him and a month later he got saved. Amen. And uh, he's with me. And he's just changed tremendously. Now, his parents keep calling up saying, because we've been back there since. And they, they, the whole village comes out to look at him. He's changed. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they'll say... Is he, is he good? Is he working okay? And I'll say, yeah, he's really good. You know, he's been a good, and he had this, you know, and, and I said, no, he's good. And his mother and father said, he's, he's not drinking anymore? I said, no, no, he's not drinking. Is he going out with girls? No, no. You sure he's not jumping out the window at night when you're sleeping? That's what they said. You sure you're not jumping out the window? No, no, he's not jumping out the window. God has changed his life. Amen. When he got saved, God changed him. And now he just tells them, no, I, I've done all that stuff. I don't want to go back to that. I know what's true now. And his life has been changed. Now, here's the thing. His parents knew we need help, but they didn't know where to get the help. You understand? That's the Macedonian cry. Not come and preach the gospel to us. Come and help us. And then Paul knew, ah, we assuredly gathered. The Spirit had told us to go preach the gospel to them. You understand? They just knew we need help. We know what they need and where the help comes from. So, so this, these are the things that God is seeing. Uh, this is the thing that's working on God's heart. And this is the thing that we probably should try to get somewhat in tune with, the heart of God and why God feels the way he does for these peoples of the world. Now, I'm going to kind of wrap this up, but... You know, not only does God have a heart for these people, he has, he has actioned his heart. And uh, it's true for us also. God doesn't just want you to, uh, you know, feel uh, a little bit moved and then get over it and go and buy another Big Mac and console yourself. You're supposed to be moved unto doing something. You know, God isn't just, yes, I have a heart for all this, but he doesn't do anything. That's not God. Anything that God has a heart for, he actions. You know, when people say, how can you, you know, we say God loves you to people. People say, how do I know God loves me? Well, look, the, the answer to that is God, loved, God has shown you he loved you by doing something. All right? God didn't just tell you he loves you. He did something. He gave his only begotten son because he so loved the world. He shows his love to us. He commends his love to us. And that while we were sinners distant from God, Christ died for us. So God actions what he feels. And we, we need to be that way too. You know, if, 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 we, if we say we have a heart for something and there's uh, no action or not, no tangible outworking of that, then it's really questionable if we do have a heart for it or not. So God has actioned his heart by, number one, he provided a way for men to be saved. Now, God had to do that. That's not something we could do. So, so, and God has done that. And that's the ultimate revealing of the love of God for men, that he took his only begotten and, and, and Jesus suffered uh, for my sins and yours on the cross. The one who had no sin bore my sin. He was shamed, humiliated. And all of those things for you and I. He, he did that willingly. That's the evidence that he loves us. He showed us that. And then God not only 
evidences his heart for the, for the lost or his heart for missions in the context of our message today by the fact that he gave Jesus to die for us. But he then went and did this. He gave his own people a command to tell other people about how to be saved and he didn't give an exemption to any one of them. So, so God revealed his heart by giving the Saviour, making the way. And then secondly, God issued an edict or a command that said to us, go and tell people and teach them and go to all nations. And God made that a serious matter. It wasn't something where, where God uh, left that as an option for us to consider. Uh, he's made it a command. And that evidences the strength with which God feels about the need. And then the third thing is the way that God actions his heart uh, for the lost is that God uh, has his Holy Spirit working in this business of reaching men for Christ. I would say this, and you may disagree, I would say it is the foremost activity of the Holy Spirit in our time is to reach men for Christ. Uh, it's, it's the imperative, it's the evidence of God. He's out there working. He wants to get people saved. He wants to reach them and he wants to... The Holy Spirit is working in many areas. The Holy Spirit is working in, in the hearts of the lost. Uh, the Holy Spirit works in the empowering of the Word of God as it goes out. The Holy Spirit works in uh, uh, the working of churches. Remember the church at Antioch? Uh, there in, um, uh, in uh, well, let's see where I had that written there, in Acts chapter 13, uh, remember the church in Antioch that the Holy Spirit worked in that church and said, uh, separate me these ones to go do this work. That was a work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is working in every local church about the matter of missions. And if you're not hearing it, you're just not listening well enough. But it is the heartbeat of God. So he's working that way and, uh, and, and, and separating men out. And then not only that, he's working to, to get people to places. Paul's vision was of a man of Macedonia. That's a place. Now, previously, remember that Paul had decided that he was going to go to some other places and the Spirit of God said, no, not there. Now, you have to understand that because if that happened today, we'd drop Paul from our support for sure <laughs> because we just wouldn't accept that. If, if, if he wrote back and said, look, I was going to go to two places. I was going to go to Asia and the Holy Ghost. I was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. We'd be, hmm. And, uh, and then uh, not only that, uh, we're going to go to uh, Mycenae and to Bithynia, but the Spirit said, don't go. And we'd say, you know what, brother? He's told us to go to every place, the whole world. So don't go and tell me the Spirit of God told you not to go somewhere when he's already told us to go everywhere. But here's the thing. The Spirit of God is directing the strategy of missions for the world. And it is true, we've been told to go to every place. But it is also true that the Spirit of God is directing people to places at times and, and maneuvering all of that. That's the work of the Spirit of God 
He's, he's saying, separate me, this one, out of the church. And, you know, if you're a pastor and I've been a pastor, you know, God often chooses the choicest people to leave the church and go to missions. And that can be hard from, from, a, from a level of your own local church need. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to swallow, but it would be a serious mistake to try to get between the Holy Spirit and stop some good person going out because God might then reason that your church is not a good place to put good people because you won't let them do what God is telling them to do. So that's not a good thing to do. It's better to yield to the Spirit of God and say, Lord, if this is your plan, you know, we not only consent to it, we want to be a part of it. And uh, we're for that as well. And God will bless your church for that, by the way. You know, when a church gets in step with missions, God blesses the church. Because God sees that your heart is his heart. And God, God wants your church to prosper. God wants your church to do well. And of course, God wants you to reach the people in your immediate area. But God will bless the church that does it. So, so you can see the evidence of the Spirit of God's working. Selecting men out, saying, these, uh, uh, separate them unto this thing. Uh, go to this place. So Paul sees a man from Macedonia. I remember sitting in church meeting after church meeting after church meeting when I was pastoring and I just kept seeing Thai people in my head. And, and every time I'd, you know, the Spirit of God would be moving you know, during a message or, or something and it may not be nothing to do with this, when, I, when, I, when I'd feel myself most in tune with God, what would I be seeing? Thai people. And what would happen? Tears would come down my face. And I'd... And, and it happened again and again. And what would happen when I got down on my knees in my office and knelt over my chair and began to pray and, and felt the connection with this God and the Spirit of God leading me in my prayers? What would I see? Thai people. Why? Because the Spirit of God was saying, Him out to there. That was His strategy. And that might be what He's doing in some of you or someone around you. Him out to there, those people. And that's what God does. And then when you go, the Spirit of God is working. He empowers the Word of God. He strengthens the missionary. And I'm trying to say that the Holy Spirit is in the business of working this thing that's on the heart of God, which is reaching people with the gospel. Now, I'm going to conclude by just saying one last statement when we talk about the heart of God for missions, there's something we, we often overlook. And I want to just mention it before we leave. You know, God also has a heart for missionaries. And sometimes we think the missionary is just the tool to get the job done. And we treat them like a tool. And we don't sometimes give the... And, I, and let me say, I've been, I was a senior pastor for 13 years. And I I would say this, if you're a pastor, I would say this, nobody can understand what it's like to actually have to pastor a church unless you're doing it. I would say even your closest associate can know some of it, but he has to sit in your chair, bear your burdens, see what you see to understand what you do. And I would say that, and I've been a pastor. But let me say this also, If if you're not a missionary you don't fully understand what a missionary goes through and what it's like to do that. You can know a lot of it. You can connect with it. You can have a, you know, a, a, a desire to want to understand. 
But if you're not doing it, you can only understand so much. Well, now I've done both. And I want to say this, you know, we need to just remember that God has a heart for the missionary. They're not just a tool. They're they're a selected person. And these people are going to walk away from everything that they called home. And they should be honoured for that. I am not in Thailand because I would rather live in Thailand than somewhere else. I would rather live in Australia. I don't want to live in America. I don't want to live... If you lift it up to me, I know where I want to live. I want to live in Australia. That's who I am. That's where I come from. That's where my family is. Thank you very much. But the Spirit of God has put me in Thailand and I am happy to spend and be spent for the sake of the gospel in Thailand and I am happy to die in Thailand uh, around Thai people that I'm laboring with because that's where God has put me. So all I'm saying is this, you know, let's respect these people that God is calling to leave their comforts, to go to a place not of their own choosing, to face unknown things and uh, sometimes very dark and difficult things and to do it usually alone and far away from the brethren. So, you know, they're not just a tool. They're people God has a heart for because he sees what they're doing. And I know he has a heart for pastors and others, but I just want to say that in regard to the missionary because sometimes I think we can just get sick of, you know, phone calls, someone wants support, another one's coming through, and it all starts to become a little bit clinical. And, uh, and you know, and you meet a few on the way that are a little bit, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't need to say. And, uh, and that can just taint you a little bit and... You know, but be careful that you just don't, you know, respect what God respects. Honor what God honors. God has a heart for the missionary. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson is entitled The Heart of God for Missions with Pastor Wayne Savage. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.